Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Chris O'Fault. I'm the deputy editor of film and TV craft at IndieWire. And today we're going to continue our tour through some of the best nonfiction films of the year with an interview with the painter and thief director, Benjamin Ree, and the painter in his documentary, Barbara Kiskaloff. This is a great film. Um, you can stream it right now on Hulu if you haven't seen it. And uh, just one quick reminder, with this series of uh, nonfiction uh, podcasts that we're doing, please make sure to check out on Twitter or on the website uh, on IndieWire.com. We are making video essays um, that that are accompanying these. So we're going to, some of the filmmaking that we talk about here on this podcast, we're going to show you some of it in the video, the accompanying video. So please make sure you check that out. And today's podcast is brought to you by another one of the year's best documentaries, the Apple original film, Boy State, which is this political coming of age story and journey into the heart of American democracy through an annual rite of passage in which a thousand teenage boys from across Texas come together to build a representative government from the ground up. And side note, I I did Boy State when I was 17, and if you don't know about it, you're in for a crazy ride with this film. And it's for your consideration, best documentary feature, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. I hate starting documentary uh, interviews this way because it's the most boring thing, but I feel like in this case we have to, the whole how did this get started, (laughs) you know, um, Benjamin, what drew you initially to even to even start looking at this story? I was uh, researching art robberies. And uh, in Norway, we have a great tradition for art robberies. Uh, So I I actually met uh, an art robber. So that was the kind of initial. I I just researched it because I had a fascination for it. I think you have kind of the the combination of uh, high culture and love culture there with a high culture art world and a low culture robbers world. Um, and then this um, robbery was on the front newspapers in Norway. Uh, and they also followed up on this, uh, this case, uh, many kind of news outlets and also the, the, the kind of national uh, broadcasting system here in Norway. So I took contact with Barbara and I, at first I filmed Barbara. Uh, and then uh, I got access to film Carl Bakkel and Barbara. And it always takes a bit of time to get that kind of access, of course, for Carl Bakkel's sake. He, he, he got to know me a little bit before he was comfortable uh, to begin filming. So I began filming the fourth time Barbara and Carl Bakkel met. And before that, we had a lot of archival footage from uh, one of Barbara's friends that had filmed her taking photos documented her paintings being made. She was there at the mm-hmm. exhibition. We had surveillance footage from the actual robbery. And we also had uh, uh, actual uh, recordings from the trial that was recorded. So so before I came along, we had a lot of amazing footage already. And so, Barbara, you're 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 making a connection with this this other person. You're you're exploring, you know, what happened to your paintings, which is its own journey. I'm wondering at what point you're starting to also think about, oh, this this guy wants to start filming this journey, you know, and and where where does that happen in that decision? Because I imagine it's not only your decision, it's his as well. Yeah, that's the total right. It was not only my decision. I mean, uh, we were two main characters. There are possible potential <laughs> main characters. Mm-hmm. And at that time, as much as I already knew about Bertil, and uh, was aware of his struggles and his um, insecurities um, in general. So 
right after I was actually contacted by Benjamin. So right after I called Bertil and uh, asked him if he can come over to the to my atelier, which he did. So there we spoke about it. I told him about that I was approached by Benjamin and um, what uh, he sort of proposed or asked about. And Bertil was actually quite uh, immediately answering positive. Like he said, yes, let's do it. And I truly, truly appreciate uh, that Bertil really was so fast, positive about it. And as for me, I, I actually thought that this is opportunity that there is going to be a, actually a camera following us, that I believe there is going to be a, a place where the director can go to the true depth of the story that whatever newspaper article you write, it just doesn't allow you to go to the true depth. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely no doubt that there is a quite endless depth in Bertil, I have mm -hmm. to admit. So for me, the first um, reason or the first motivation why to say yes was not really uh, my art, but it really was um, because I understood that Bertil has so much to say and to show and I really wanted to give out there to the world in the form of art that does allow you to go to the depth. So I wanted to share with the world or whoever would want to see the story or the film, what happens when you put aside your prejudices that you could easily have and we do have towards each other. So if you decide to put that on the side, uh, how it can actually be beneficial for both parties. So this was my main motivation. You know, you say it wasn't has to do with your art, and I've obviously in your case, it's it, that's a painting, but there is something about this story, right? That um, your need to reach out to him has to do with some. Your, obviously, your emotions, as we see in the film, have so much to do, and in, in your life has so much to do with your 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 painting, and obviously, this story has had such an impact on you, the robbery, and and there's this, there is an artistic need to kind of resolve what's happened here right and so there does seem to be on your part an artistic decision what you just said is almost an artistic decision it's just not your painting of this relationship to a certain degree is going to be a piece of art that should be captured as a piece of art no am i am i wrong about that well what i was answering now was like why we with bertel decided to say yes to benjamin mm -hmm. what you now speak about is of course um something else and that is my part of the creativity here, which is the painting or paintings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a different story. That's like, why have I decided to, um, to paint Bertil? So that's quite a different story, of course, than, than yeah. what I was uh, saying before. And if I just shall say it shortly, it was, okay, just put yourself in my shoes. You're a painter, unknown painter, and somebody steals your large scale paintings. It's just nuts, it's crazy. None of that makes sense, you know? So you're trying to make a, any logical result out of that. So there is no space for any other emotion like anger or anything. It's just simple curiosity or trying to find the, the logic in all the events. And then when I met Carl Bertil for the first time at the courtroom, um, the curiosity just multiplied and went to the direction that I just could not foresee. I apologize. I think I, I, I poorly phrased my question. What I'm talking about is when I talk about as an artistic endeavor, the idea of welcoming in this documentary 
to welcoming in this filming and that this relationship and you know it sounds like even from the first meeting that there's something here that's not just meeting this other person but documenting it that is like an artistic journey there's almost an artistic choice that this is going to be a film right from the start you know that's kind of what i'm getting at is 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 the filming part of this to a certain degree no, I think this question should go more to Benjamin because the film mm. is his piece of art. Mm -hmm. My my creativity starts and ends with my paintings. <laughs> but I think that you're asking about something I think is very fascinating, and that is um, you have the kind of meta perspective here. The film becomes uh, self-reflective uh, mm. uh, because uh, me being there with the camera will always affect both Carl Bertil and Barbara's life. And I don't know in what way. In the same way that Barbara uh, approached Carl Bertil and asked to paint him, that will, of course, affect Bertil's life. In the same way, I think having a camera there will affect, uh, affect both Carl Bertil uh, and, mine, mm -hmm. uh, and my li life. Uh, and, and the film, uh, I, I didn't want to use myself in the film in a classical way with the narrator uh, and, and me being present. But I feel that I, I am very present in the film uh, with how I use the camera, how, how I mm -hmm. observe, observe uh, Barbara and Carl Bertil. And, uh, and, and I observe Carl Bertil observing Barbara. <laughs> I observe Barbara observing Carl Bertil. <laughs> well, you know, Benjamin, kind of building off that, you know, in the movie, I think it's about 15, 20 minutes in, um, the painting is revealed and there's this emotional, you know, up to that point, it's been kind of reliving the, the robbery. It's been, um, it's been the art, the, the act of, of doing this portrait. And then he breaks down and it's this emotional moment. And the element here is this relationship goes someplace and the film goes someplace. It's very intimate and it becomes about the two of them. Um, I'm curious about the mechanics of that in the camera, right? Because before you're you're observing, you're watching, and now suddenly you're capturing um, two people having going on an emotional journey, this very intimate relationship. This friendship goes beyond all of this. I, I'm curious about the mechanics of that in terms of even like when does one turn on the camera? Your okay. relationship to them, you know, what, you know, mm. I, my guess is you're not just with them all the time. There's a conscious choice if we're going to get together. And because I, I'm wondering about this film has such this incredible intimacy and in what happens. So I'm curious about the mechanics of even filming this relationship to a certain degree. Mm. That, that's a very good question. And that, that is something I've tried to think a lot about uh, because I've just begun a new project <laughs> and it's kind of the same <laughs> process over again. Um, and I, I believe that it's very crucial for a filmmaking process like this to, to meet up without the camera. Um, but I also believe that you need to film a lot. Uh, so it's a combination mm. of these two. I think you, like uh, when we meet up having lunch, uh, we talk about what we will film, what we want with the film. And I see this as a huge collaboration between Barbara Kalbaktil and me uh, to, to, to kind of tell the story uh, together. And, and uh, uh, I think that the, the best scenes we, we get in the film, uh, that's the scene what you're describing now, that's the, the, kind of the, the most kind of honest, unexpected scenes. Like when Kalbaktil mm -hmm. uh, began crying, that kind of changed the whole filmmaking process because 
I, I thought I was going to do a short documentary for web TV in Norway. And you know, for a short documentary, when Carl Bartels would have then seen the portrait of himself, that would maybe be the end of a short documentary. That would be a climax mm. of a short documentary, uh, kind of 20 minutes short documentary. Uh, and here it's just the beginning. And I think that his reaction there uh, uh, got us to begin thinking that this is going to be uh, something much bigger. I- I've never experienced anything like that. And it's captured beautifully mm. by Christopher Kumar, the cinematographer. Um, and we try to film a lot. I think that's very important. We, we try to film a lot. And, and people have asked me many times, like, why do we get such um, access to Bible and Kalbatid? One reason is that we have a huge lunch budget. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Kalbatid and, and Barbara, they, 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 they don't have that much money. So they came to me for lunch and we had great lunches. You, you remember, Barbara? We had a really nice time eating lunch. Benjamin, you have saved my life. I mean, thanks to you, I was able to continue painting. You know, two Norwegian crowns on my bank account and then this gorgeous lunch at your office building. I loved it. So, 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 so in a sense, it's um, lunches and conversations between the three of you. And then I imagine that leads to conscious decisions of like, what and when you're going to film and what's going on. Mm. Is that, is that to some, exactly. I, I wonder if you could exactly. give an example. I wonder if you could give an example of that, of something that, you know, you're discussing something at lunch and then how that leads to what's going to be filmed and where it's going to be filmed. So um, then we, at lunch, we talk about maybe what we already filmed. And then we talk about what we want with the whole film as a whole. I think, my job mm-hmm. is also to motivate Barbora and Kalbati because mm-hmm. I think for a film like this, you need uh, approximately 100 recording days. 100 recording mm-hmm. days. That's many days of filming uh, mm-hmm. for two people that's not getting paid at all to be filmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that we, uh, we need, like, uh, my job is also to motivate them, but also include them in the filmmaking process. So, for example, to, to, to take uh, Bakhtel first, uh, we talked a lot about, yeah, uh, we talked a lot about his upbringing. Uh, what mm-hmm. does, what do he, uh, does he want to have portrayed about his childhood? And then he says, I really want my father to be in the film. I want you to film kind of our uh, relationship. And then I say, okay, uh, how's that relationship like? And then he describes it to me. And I think, and then I say, oh, I think this will be interesting for the film. And then we arrange to travel to him. And then I speak with the father and as honestly as possible to describe the film. Uh, and then we film that scene. Uh, it's just a little scene in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. We can talk about, for example, how drugs are portrayed in media. And a, lo- a lot of times it's kind of portrayed in a glori- gl- glorious way. Like really cool mm-hmm. where people are partying and they are taking drugs. Uh, and then we talk about what if we only show the aftermath of taking drugs, not the actual drug taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we talk about uh, he, he, he's going to rehab and then he asked me do you, if I want to come along to film him going to rehab, mm-hmm. for example. So I think that um, it's much easier for me to get access when uh, Carl Bakhtil and Barbara uh, suggest what, what to film. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but with, with Barbara, I think it was a bit different because Barbara, her off kind of studio were only kind of two minutes away from where I work. So I usually just called her and just uh, <laughs> came to her studio and filmed something. So I think I did you bring lunch? Did you bring lunch? <laughs> <laughs> we usually ate lunch at uh, at the uh, at my office. Um, and uh, but but uh, uh, what's your kind of what do you remember about that, Barbara? Like how how did we film certain scenes with you? I just want to begin a little bit with um, how. Okay, I speak from my perspective, but how I um, sort of gave eternal access of Benjamin into my life. And that was because um, Benjamin really uh, gives me very clear feeling of security and trust. It really wasn't difficult for me. I mean, I'm easy person to trust others. I think it was maybe much more of a question whether Bertil will get the same feeling about Benjamin. And I think uh, it happened very fast. And as I now also know Benjamin as a, as a person, as a friend, I can say, I really say, yes, that's, that's true, Benjamin. So he gives us the feeling of that we really are safe around him. Mm -hmm. And also I remember, and that was for me very important and for sure for Bertil, it was very crucial to make us aware that if there is anything in the footage, in the movie or potential movie that we don't like, we want to have removed Benjamin will remove it. So mm -hmm. there's also the total both sides trust that we knew that Benjamin is not here to to catch us in some mm -hmm. bad thing or to to mistreat us. Mm -hmm. So it really gave him oh. quite big access to to both of our privacies. You, you talk what's about interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 what's interesting what you say there is that I, I uh, like you didn't have any kind of uh, kind of suggestions of what to change after the only time like uh, so like someone said that you can't use this was called back after filming him going to rehab then he said the day after that you can't use it uh, this in the film and I told called back I respect that and the next day after that he called me back and said you have to use this in the film so I think I think that uh, uh, also when filming somebody that's on drugs, they have to get the possibility when they're sober to change their minds. Sure, uh, sure. I think so. That makes sense. You know, you know, Barbara, you were talking about trust, and and then I'm also listening to these conversations that Benjamin's describing with 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 both of you, um, and. Not only do I, I the word that pops into my mind even beyond trust is is collaboration you know, and that ability to, to a certain degree to shape what's going on and to be able to, to have a say in what is filmed. This isn't, you know, he's not on your tail cinema verte style following you all the time. And so what I'm very curious about is in the fact that if you have this trust and you have these conversations beforehand that lead to this collaboration, is there an element also when you are on camera? Cause what I love is this film is so intimate. Benjamin's filmmaking is so intimate I don't mean performance in a bad way, but there is this, you're obviously conscious of the camera. I know these are your real emotions, but is, I have to imagine to a certain degree, there's a consciousness of performance that, you, you know, you, you're, you're comfortable with this director uh, emoting this way, right? Yeah, I read you. Uh, and yeah, most likely you're definitely right in most uh, of the things you have just expressed. And, you know, I mean, we are not actors. Uh, mm -hmm. We are just normal human beings who really are not used to 
have a camera around, mm -hmm. though, of course, we're living in, a, and this we can elaborate for long, that we live in a society where you're sort of performing constantly anyway, shall that be for your social media, shall that, you know, it's sort of, you know that you're being watched constantly in certain way. Mm -hmm. But um, then what was for me was, um, you know, when I am in my atelier and I paint, um, that's just like the world around me can fall apart. Mm. I don't care as long as I can stay in my bubble and paint. So um, it was not much of a dramaturgy in here, let's say. I mean, it was just Barbara standing in her atelier and painting. And therefore, I'm really glad. <laughs> let me say now, I'm really glad for the best dramaturg in the world, which is Karl Bertil. I mean, when you have him as one of the characters, you know that you will not be action and unpredictable. We, and we, should have credit, we should have credited him. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but if I then may just say, if I just may say, you know, it's also when Bertil is around and also then Benjamin with camera, the, the sort of the life at the moment is just so big and it's so intensive that as for me, I just, at these many moments, I had no space to take in the awareness of the camera because it was mm. just so powerful what happened just there between me and Carl Bertil that it was so easy to to just totally drop off the awareness of being of uh, camera presence so that also kind of gave me the the, the know-how to mm -hmm. to to be able to cut off the the fact that there is either Christoph Kumar or or Benjamin but mm -hmm. yes of course somehow in your whatever level of consciousness or subconsciousness you are aware there is a camera but mm. I mean, I would paint anyway, and I would uh, try to lift uh, Bertil from the wheelchair anyway. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, just gonna add this short thing. The, I, I think that the, um, w when the situation by and Carl Bertil, the situations they're in are more important than me being there with the camera, then you get more authentic scenes. Because then the situation, for example, Carl Bertil seeing himself painted for the first time. That's much more interesting than the, the, than it's a camera there. So I think that uh, the more crucial scenes, uh, the more authentic scenes you get. Mm -hmm. Well, Benjamin, this... speak for yourself. You've never been in front of the camera. Okay, so you don't know how it felt for us. <laughs> We're going to take a short break here to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Boy State. This Apple original film is a political coming-of-age story that explores the heart of American democracy through an annual rite of passage in which a thousand teenage boys from across Texas come together to build a representative government from the ground up. And, and that's as crazy as it sounds. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And for your consideration, best documentary feature, uh, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. Benjamin, this is um, when you're filming uh, with the two of them. Is it, what is the team here? Is it, is it you and a camera operators, or one cameras, or two cameras? What's wh who who's in there with them from a filmmaking standpoint? It's um, one third of the film. Christopher Kumal mm -hmm. has shot, uh, mm -hmm. and then I'm there together with him. Uh, mm -hmm. It's only one scene that he shot by himself, and mm -hmm. two thirds I've shot myself. And the reason for that uh, is basically that uh, I'm the only one that's available all the time. I'm the only sure. one that can cancel uh, mm -hmm. an Easter vacation because something has <laughs> happened. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so, so th th that's the, the, the reason why I, I have filmed the most of it. 
And it, it also becomes more intimate then also, I think. Well, I wanted to talk about that in, in, in the intimate camera. I mean, obviously, as we have, we're discussing these conversations beforehand and making them feel comfortable and part of the collaboration process, but I'm also curious about the approach to camera here. Um, you know, her atelier has beautiful natural light. <laughs> you know, it's a great place to paint. It's a great place to film, but also even just a sense of your film has very often a perspective a subjectivity, a, 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 an incredible sense of detail and intimacy with these characters. Um, I, you know, and in some cases there seems to be really conscious choices too. I'm wondering if you could talk about a little bit about the approach to filming um, here, regardless if it's you holding the camera or your, your cinematographer. So uh, at these lunch meetings, uh, Barbora and Kalbertil, they usually tell me, kind of how they feel about something. And that's something I ask them about also. And I've done a lot of interviews where they talk about how they are feeling, but I don't use it in the film. I use it as a reference to find a cinematic language to, to convey that uh, visually and with, with, with sound. So uh, take, for example, Carl Bakhtel and me talking about his, his father. He describes mm. the, the mood, the atmosphere when he meets his father. Um, and then... Uh, I begin to uh, think about how how can we film this when we're going there, and then I think about I I, I really love kind of over kind of uh, over the shoulder subjective shots, uh, like uh, um, Ingmar Bergman did that beautifully in many films. I know that that inspired also Ang Lee to do many kind of uh, back shots from the from from the shoulders, uh, and then I think about kind of. <laughs> my film catalog in my head and I think about some mm -hmm. references uh, how we can shoot this subjectively and, and mm -hmm. then uh, uh, when I come there of course I need to use my, use my intuition to kind of feel uh, the atmosphere mm -hmm. in the room but it's based upon kind of preparations in my head uh, what kind mm -hmm. of pictures I've seen before that can convey an emotion a state of mind a subjectivity that Bertil already has told me uh, when we uh, ate lunch. Uh, so, mm -hmm. it, but, but, but uh, and for example, in, the, in prison, like, and there, there we have kind of to show the isolation and the uh, repetitions in prison. I had really concrete uh, references, uh, Sam pecking past the getaway, the opening mm -hmm. uh, sequence in that film. Uh, we almost copied that opening sequence uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> in in our film. Um, so we use a lot of kind of that kind of references, um, but it's based upon interviews or talks, uh, eating lunch. You know, in the film, about half an hour in, we switch perspectives. We switch subjectivity to a certain degree. Mm. But I'm but because you know I noticed, um, for example, the um, I think it's when they go to paint the portrait, or she goes to paint the portrait. When we come back to that, there's different perspectives. We get to suddenly see it from his perspective. So mm. I'm assuming part of this is right from the start, <laughs> making sure that you can go into both subjectivities and having it filming that way. Is that something that you're thinking about? Uh, it was actually in the edit editing room. We kind of took those decisions of having overlapping scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, but we filmed the whole film from both Barbuda and Kilbati's point mm -hmm. of view. That was a decision we took quite early on. And the reason for that was uh, uh, we wanted to portray Kalbertil as the intelligent, uh, funny, charismatic, mm. dark and self-destructive, like 
this very complex person. We wanted uh, to get that across in the film. And the only way to do that was to see the world from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, 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 uh, and I think that dramaturgy in documentary filmmaking, it's not only uh, artistic choices, but it's also ethical choices. I think how you portray a person, that's ethical choices in a documentary because Barbora and Kalbakel, they have to live with this film uh, the mm-hmm. rest of their lives. Uh, and then in the editing uh, room, we thought about how can we kind of try to do something that's not done before in the verite genre. Uh, and then in the uh, editing room, we begin began playing with, you know, uh, people that work with documentary, they, they know that, uh, and especially observation and documentary, they know that with working on a scene, if you have kind of 20 different drafts of a scene, uh, the subtext of that scene changes completely. It can go from yep. being about <laughs> loneliness to be, be about togetherness. Uh, uh, like uh, if you have two hours of footage from a scene and then you edit it down, you can mm-hmm. use so many different versions of the same scene. Uh, and that is very, very fascinating. And what can kind of change um, a subtext of a scene can be just uh, a close-up, for example, or, or a reaction from a per, uh, person's face. So mm-hmm. you can really kind of change a scene in so many directions. Uh, mm-hmm. And from that kind of idea, we started to play with how can we, like, based on the talks with Balboa and Kalbakel, how can we try to make it represent their point of views? So then we kind of played around with that, that in the editing room. Mm-hmm. And and I'm wondering what a day of filming is like in that sense. Are you waiting for your moments? Are you waiting for something to happen? Or is there sometimes, can you go over here? Can we do this? Can we try and position it? The light's nice here. Or is it one of the things you just spend enough few hours with them that you can eventually figure out how to, to get what you need? Mm-hmm. It, it varies a lot, really. Uh, I think that sometimes uh, you're kind of spot on. Uh, immediately you, you and that's usually the scenes where there's a lot kind of at stake a lot of drama uh, for example uh, me going to film Carl Backel at the hospital uh, or, or the kind of the rehabilitation place afterwards then there was kind of immediately good <laughs> material uh, and sometimes you have to wait the scene with Carl Backel and he began crying I think we waited for five hours for him to come uh, or something like that. Uh, and, and then we filmed after waiting for many hours, we filmed for many hours more. And I'm so glad that we didn't go home, that we kind of stayed there <laughs> and, and waited. Uh, and it all, always depends. I, I This week I filmed a scene where I had to wait to 2 a.m. before I began to get good scenes. <laughs> and my back was hurting and I thought, oh, I'm going to go home. Uh, and then I, and then the good, kind of the good stuff uh, began to appear. I, I, I believe that if you kind of push uh, the, the subject you're filming, the people you're filming to begin the conversation too much, you won't mm-hmm. get kind of authentic scenes. You can't push it too much. You have to be a bit of a nature photographer there <laughs> in the mm-hmm. sense that you have to wait for uh, things to uh, 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 come up naturally. Sometimes I can ask a question that begins a conversation and uh, like begins to talk. That's good, but I, I I do believe like we're in a in a digital age that we have we we can actually afford to to film like five to six hours uh, for one recording day, and I I really believe to, that it's good to wait. 
and not push mm. things too too fast. I really believe that you have to wait and and be patient. Patient. Mm. Uh, question for both of you in this. Um, the, I think the filming takes place over three years. Did I, did, am I remembering that correctly? The story is, is a, as a three year span. So, a bit, um, a bit over three years, actually three and a okay. half years. Yes. Obviously, uh, what happens, um, and where, and where your lives go and, and for, for lack of a crude word twists, you know, and, and dramatic things happen. Um, I'm curious in that sense of the three of you coming together. And talking about filming, obviously, your movies change. I imagine the decision of what and where to film changes, and the idea even to keep filming changes. I'm wondering, as I don't know that that in these initial lunches, you're thinking in three years we're going to be in totally different places <laughs> and being doing all these things. So, I, I, you know, as this movie moves through time. I, you know, and you're not having these weekly lunches talking about, you know, when are we going to get together? What is that process? Because this really does feel like a collaboration. It feels like it has to be a conversation between all three of you and what's going on with your lives. What you know that idea of keeping to f keep filming where this is going and what to film. I'm wondering how that progressed into year two and into year three. In my opinion, actually, the movie could just run on forever as long as Bertil is alive. You know? <laughs> I mean, um, and we would have even like amazing, even more amazing ending today. And that is due to the fact that Bertil is today uh, sober of any drug for over two years. Mm. And he is finishing his uh, bachelor studies, which is just such amazing achievement of this person. I mean, sure, in the movie, we see that he is... Uh, putting himself back to the very good shape but now it's even more confirmed and it can just run on because still it's a it's a it's the it's the same guy that we see in the movie but now we have him without the layer of of the unpredictable uh, ability of him to put himself in such insane danger and we could really just have the good feeling movie now you know of like mm -hmm. this dude is just really managing his life so well as probably never ever i would say and i just want to say that to watch such achievements of bertil is just so inspiring and so powerful for me to see and i really have such respect for him and such admiration for the for the very very big fight and strength that he performed in order to put himself where he is today you know it's, it's I, really I amazing I totally, totally agree with that. It's it, it's wonderful. It's it's wonderful to hear what's happened after the film, but you get a sense of that, and you know, in 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 the in the way that that this story finishes. But I'm curious, though. I mean, I have to imagine your feelings about this film over these three years changed. I imagine a sense of you know what you're saying now makes a lot of sense. But I'm wondering in the moment and thinking about this and the way that your life is changing and what's going on. I have to imagine to a certain degree. Um, as one of the collaborators here, you're, did did your thought about this film and what you were willing to film and 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 should this keep going? Did that did ever that ever waver throughout this three years for you? For well, you? for me, once more, let's say that through the fact that Benjamin has got my full trust, mm -hmm. so I was really willing to to be there as much as I was able to as a, as a human mm -hmm. being, and shall that take as much time as it needs? Because as Benjamin spoke about the patience in mm -hmm. the previous uh, question. I know as a form of creative person as well, I know that patience is the key word here. I mean, you can't 
hurry or harsh to think you know it, you have to give it the time shall i say like in my field of creation i can have uh, two canvases of the same format and for some reason one of the canvases takes me only uh, three weeks to paint but the other for some reason takes three years or yeah, three yeah, months yeah, yeah. let's say yeah, yeah. you know it's unpredictable somehow you you need to give time so um for me i was like just giving all the creative freedom to benjamin here for him mm -hmm. to decide whether he wants to still continue filming or when he wants to stop um and I, I really have to say, Benjamin, very big thumbs up. You, you really have an <laughs> amazing uh, artist feeling of the timing uh, and yeah. dramaturgy and all that. It's like, yeah, I could go on forever with you, you know. <laughs> Benjamin, what, 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 what about this? What about, about, what about landing this thing, you know, and, 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 and where to go with this, right? Because uh, I, I imagine as a documentary filmmaker, one does need to find an end point and, and game that out to a certain degree, right? Exactly. I, I like I thought a lot about it, and I, I remember we we kind of we de developed this film at IDFA in in Amsterdam, um, and th then I said that we're going to film this for many years, and they like many years. Why? <laughs> and, and, and 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 the reason for that, I wanted kind of to have uh, have an ending there. Uh, of course, the film could go on. I could film like continue filming the two of you for the rest of your lives. Um, but I think that it was, it became a very beautiful ending and the kind of circle was fulfilled. The film begins with two canvases being taken out of the frames, being stolen. And it ends mm -hmm. with one of them being put back on the canvas by the person that stole it to begin with, mm. like three years mm -hmm. after. I thought that was very beautiful. And it's a very beautiful scene that both Kalbatil and Barbara do that together. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and of course, also, uh, it has kind of the reveal of the last painting to Barbara towards the end, which is a masterpiece in my view, a mm -hmm. fantastic film. Uh, sorry, really a fantastic painting that really sums up mm -hmm. the film uh, in many ways. It really mm -hmm. like that, yeah. the, the last painting that kind of that's the film in one painting uh, and i have to imagine the I idea of him so, even him coming to help and hang it up and doing something it's just it feels <laughs> i imagine you have to all of you have to think that that's some kind of full circle moment um you know benjamin i, I did a little i read some of your other interviews here um you know eight months three editors mm. um you know two, in, two editors very, two editors what's that yeah. Two uh, editors, two editors. Okay. yeah, yeah, okay. and 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 the idea of um, some of the tough decisions of here mm. perspective, um, and how to handle that. I'm curious about um, if you could put this in perspective because I once again you could go so many different directions. I'm sure with your mm. footage here, um, that idea of very clearly starting with Barbara's perspective, and mm. then waiting about 29 minutes to <laughs> to to go to because I mean. Obviously, there's lots of ways that you could switch perspectives or mm. have it too, and, 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 and how you ended up landing there. I think that the first kind of change of perspectives we did uh, based on the, 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 the almost fatal car accident to Kalbakil. And the reason why we changed perspectives there was because then it's kind of easier to jump back in time and understand that we are back in time. Because at that point, uh, Bakhtil was um, in coma 
at the hospital. Mm -hmm. So then you know that we jump, are jumping back in time. So that was the main reason for it. Kind of, we need kind of some turning point changes that 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 can help us kind of orientate the audience when we're jumping so much back and forth in time. So that was the um, that was the main reason for it. Uh, and I also think that we we. Um, we want since the story was so unique. We also wanted um, a structure that's uh, as unique. Uh, I, I think that when you uh, have a story and you find a form to that story uh, that fits with the story, I think that's the kind of that's when a film kind of becomes original. And that uh, uh, this made so many films every year, so you need to kind of stand mm -hmm. out a bit. But we met a lot of um, difficulties because. Uh, so many people that we showed the film to uh, wanted the story to be told uh, chronologically. Uh, and they ah. didn't want it to be a feature. They wanted it to be a commercial hour for TV. Uh, mm -hmm. So actually at the point in, 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 like when we had edited the film you, you have seen today, nobody wanted it. Like we, we lost a lot of our financiers actually. Uh, we had a co-producers co-producer that didn't want to have their name in the opening credits because they didn't think the film was good enough. Um, so they kind of backed out uh, of the project. Uh, so many people uh, said that the film was too long. It uh, we should tell it kind of chronologically. We should edit it to a commercial hour. Uh, and uh, I actually like uh, if if you get kind of uh, so much negative feedback for a year, I I became uh, actually depressed. I thought that I had made a really bad film, uh, and we have uh, applied this film to many festivals that had said said no, many many festivals. Uh, everybody in actually its, said in no it, in its current ver in, in in its current yes. version. The yes, thing that, that we've in seen. its current version. So I actually, um, I, I became kind of sick so I couldn't work for a long period of time. And when I got my, a bit of my mental strength back, I had so low uh, uh, self-esteem and self-confidence for the project. So I sat down and I edited the film chronologically. I edited the film uh, like everybody said I should. Um, and two days after kind of my a breakdown editing the film chronologically uh sundance called in the middle of the <laughs> night and it was only the producer that saw that uh, that uh, kind of breakdown version that the chronological version of the film uh only one person the producer and the reason why i say this is also because um filmmaking is a collaborative process uh, and the, I think the reason why this film uh, did not end up like a chronological uh, kind of uh, typical documentary is because of the team I had around me. They kind of stand, stood still like soldiers protecting the vision uh, that we, 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 we were starting out making. Uh, and especially the producer, Ingvild Giske, she said, uh, no, we're not going to make the film chronological. <laughs> we're not going to make a commercial hour. Uh, and, and that takes a lot of courage to say no to all these offers, uh, TV channels that can give you money. Mm -hmm. uh, so so, so I, I really have to say a big thank you to the whole team that really believed in the vision for the project, although I lost my self-confidence. 
I can imagine. Just to be clear, when you say Sundance Call, because there's lots of different wings, this is, is this Sundance saying we want you for the uh, 2020 January Festival? Is that is that what the, is yes. that the call that you're getting from Sundance? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and that changed everything. That call changed everything. That that mm-hmm. kind of changed the whole life of the film. And mm-hmm. from that point on, it has kind of only been kind of uphill for us. So every mm-hmm. kind of uh, news about the film has been, uh, yeah, uh, I think I my self-confidence got to a really low level and it has built up to almost baseline now. Mm. <laughs> and you played, played, if I remember right, you played opening night Sundance, right? Yes, we did. I think we that's did. where I saw it, yeah. I think I got <laughs> shut out of the Taylor Swift and I went to the this wonderful, uh, this wonderful, wonderful film. Um, last thing, because I'm so fascinated by it. I love the voiceover in this movie and some of it is this stream, I, that process of even how you got that and that stream of consciousness and, and, and how that came about. I don't know if, uh, if Barbara's writing, if he's writing, if this mm. is, I, it's just, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Effective. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how, how that come, how you guys came up with all that. Um, I, I think the, again, the idea was to kind of try to find a form to show an emotion. And I think that, 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 I wanted to show how it's like to get a new friend. Uh, and um, I'm very inspired by therapy and in psychoanalysis, this is the way you talk. You lay down on a coach uh, and then you just talk stream of consciousness. Like you, 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 you say whatever pops up to your mind. That's the whole idea with the psychoanalysis. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that that way of talking is very cinematic because it's almost like dreams. It, it's, it's how we think. It goes from, to one direction to the next direction. And it's, you think about details and then you think about the big picture and it's stream of consciousness. Uh, and Truffaut, of course, was the fr- one of the first to use that kind of voiceover in film. Uh, and, it, and it worked beautifully. And then Scorsese has done it. Many people have done it. Mike Mills does it beautifully. Um, and I think that uh, I like uh, we did kind of a bit of the same kind of interview technique that uh, Barbara and Carl Buckel didn't watch me in their their eyes. I, I said that I want you to kind of talk in a stream of consciousness way, and, and and I prepared them like to get some information about each other, and then I ask questions. Uh, and I think that that way of interviewing I'm I'm doing for my next film as well. Uh, and, and I love that interview style. Uh, uh, and I think that uh, you will get uh, other kind of answers. That's uh, when um, Carl Bakil said uh, the quote that she sees me very well, mm-hmm. but, she, uh, but she forgets that I see her too. Uh, so, Barbara, and, so Barbara, when you yeah. say trust and the trust that you had in Benjamin, apparently that extends to even a, a therapy-like moment <laughs> and, and being on the couch and, and letting go stream of consciousness. What's that like as a performer? Uh, I'm not a performer, I'm a painter. A uh, painter, yeah, yeah. But I, meant, I, meant as a sub, I meant as a subject. Uh, for me, this uh, I remember recording this uh, sort of, as you described, as a monologue. And that was Benjamin together with Christopher. They came over to uh, the place where I currently live together with Oystein, my boyfriend, which is in the middle of Swedish forest. And um, Benjamin just like uh, told me, so just think out loud about Bertil. Just, just give me your thoughts about Bertil. And so I remember I sat down in a very comfortable sofa or armchair, almost <laughs> like, a, like a therapy session would be. That was quite a good comparison. 
And I was looking out of the window and, you know, the, the sun was getting down. It was starting to get a little bit foggy and melancholic. And I love melancholia in every possible version. And I started to recall my thoughts about Bertil. And it's true, like, actually, when I was sort of asked to think out loud and to verbalize my thoughts about Bertil and my observations of him, shall that be the detail that he doesn't like pickles in uh, hamburger and etc, uh, etc. Et it was actually indeed quite therapeutic for me because I realized what I know about him and what I don't know still and what I still want to find out more about. And yeah, it, it was actually really for, for me, it was a marvelous process. I think it, I, was, uh, I was talking for over two hours and Benjamin was just patiently sitting there <laughs> recording or letting me talk not stepping in at all just letting me talk whatever brought uh, whatever came to my tongue and I just said it out loud mm -hmm. it was actually for me very very powerful um, powerful moment I, I love this film I, it's a remarkable piece of work and and uh, you know from a filmmaking standpoint but Barbara also just the, the willingness to share um, and be open uh, with your lives um, and this what this relationship uh, that you have with um, with Bertel it's 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 remarkable and so I, I congratulate you both but also thank you it's 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 a unique experience to watch. Thank so. you very much for having us. And Barbara, I miss you. I miss you. you. Have to come to Oslo. I miss you too, Benjamin. <laughs> but the borders are cruel.